in my case i realized that every time that i got angry every time it was because of a person issue i was brought up to be very approval seeking somebody else shouldn't get hurt make sure they're looked after what will people think which is fine but my epiphany was realizing that i am actually not approval seeking at all deep inside me i actually don't care what people think that's the person mm-hmm. i am and how did it manifest and i realized this because every time that i would get angry or hurt or offended or fearful it was this thing of what was somebody else thinking log kya kahenge right so i would always get angry about look i've done so much for them and they haven't look you know i'm feeling disrespected look they stood me up every one of my issues that i got angry about or upset about or had stress about had to do with people which led me to believe that this is a shadow so your anger your panic your fear become aware of it that's step 1 then work backwards to figure out what that shadow is how does it manifests this is episode number 98 of the inspiring talk with Eka Banerjee. Welcome guys to the inspiring talk. My name is Vijay Gautam. I'm your host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. Dear listener, as you know, we are soon hitting 100 episodes of the Inspiring Talk podcast and I would love to hear from you. I invite you to share your personal transformation story. If this show in any way has helped you in your journey or inspired you to do something inspiring, I would love to share your story with other listeners. You can record your voice message by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash S P E A K speak I might feature your message in upcoming episodes of the show I'll wait for your message now on today's episode I'm very excited to be joined by Eka Banerjee she's one of the India's leading women CEOs coach and expert mythologist she's also co-author of the best-selling book 52 red pills Eka is an executive coach who have designed her coaching methods based on ancient wisdom, history, mythology and literature. She explores her purpose at Acom Resonance where she along with her community of researchers delve into ancient wisdom to solve modern humanity issues. On this episode I invited Eka to share her insights based on ancient wisdom. to build our emotional strength and resilience we discuss how you can manage your emotions how to deal with anger how to reprogram your subconscious programming and a lot more by the end of this episode you will not only hear eka share her insights but also you will walk back with tools and hacks that you can implement in your life to become better version of yourself starting today itself Without further ado, let me welcome Eka Banerjee. Welcome guys inside yet another episode of the Sparring Talk podcast and I'm really excited to have with me here Eka. Eka, thank you so much for joining. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you, Vijay. It's absolutely a pleasure being here on Inspiring Talk, and and what a wonderful platform you have, and the kind of themes you cover. I've been following Inspiring Talks for a while now, and and very very impressive. So really, thank you so much for having me over. Thank you, Eka. It's really a pleasure to have you here, and uh, I had your husband Siddharth, and a lot of people enjoyed the episode that we had on hyper learning, and you were equally part of that journey. So, <laughs> so but today we are here to talk a little bit about the different topic. Obviously, your contribution to the book was obviously from the mythological perspective, but today, you know, we are here to talk about the emotions and how do you build your emotional strength and resilience. And uh, you know, with the lockdown, we have seen so many people going with the emotional turmoil, like you know, a lot of ups and downs and stuff that's happening. So I thought, you know, I just it would be a great time for us to talk about how can we take control of our emotions, right? So lastly, this is what we're going to talk about. And before we really jump in and you know start getting your insights, I would like to start by talking about you know you as a teenager. Right? So you said you discovered that you were a healer is uh, at the age of thirteen. How does one discover you know who they are at the age of thirteen? <laughs> at the age of thirteen, Vijay, no discovery is an easy discovery for sure. So it's interesting because uh, I remember when I was when I was a teenager and I would I could see things that others couldn't or hear things that others couldn't and I didn't know they couldn't in my world view this is exactly how the world was right so if you saw somebody you're hearing them talk good stuff uh, but what you're seeing is really the anger that is seething within or the jealousy that is seething within or the pain they're going through in terms of their own identity and I didn't know that others around me couldn't see it, right? So I would turn around and say, uh, "Why are you hurting so much?" And that conversation is happening about a party we need to go to or some friends we need to do, and they're just looking at me and wondering, I mean, "Where did that come from?" You know. So it it wasn't a very pleasant journey for sure. I think somewhere we also don't equip our children to embrace what they see or what they hear. we also don't equip them with their own unique narrative to say that you know whatever you're seeing is your truth we are always uh, raised with this whole thing of there is one truth there's one narrative there's one journey there is one formula for success um, and especially in our times um, the whole formula for success was become an engineer become a doctor become you know do your mba uh, become a lawyer and those narratives were so narrow that i don't think we allow ourselves the luxury of seeing something unique so that discovery was a very painful discovery and because remember all your peer group and everybody around you was going through their own private journeys as well and denying those journeys and sticking to the narrative so it wasn't an easy journey and then at that point of time vijay somewhere i feel that when you're a teenager and an adolescent there are already so many issues you're dealing with like identity hormones love first love crush infatuation career academics uh, just just the whole discovery of the person you're becoming versus the child you were um that with all of that you don't also want to deal feeling different deal with feeling different so well i i and and that's how i discovered i discovered that when i and, and there were little things right when i was in college I remember there used to be people who would walk into my room in the middle of the night, right? So somebody, a friend of mine, would walk in at two thirty and three in the morning, saying, "Ki ekka, uh, you know, I'm not being able to sleep. Can you, can mm. you just, can you just put me to bed?" And all she would need is to lie down and and you know, sort of me just just lulling her to sleep. Somebody else wow. would call in saying that you know I'm hurting very terribly. Can you just hold me? 
and i'd be like sure and you know because i was so busy uh being in denial and being angry and being resentful i also didn't want people to find that out hmm. so so yeah that that's what the journey was about discovering that one could heal one saw threads relationship yeah. between people so you could walk into a room full of 100 people and know mm-hmm. exactly uh who were the two that were connected to each other it's it you can see it it's it's like how we see the world you see a glass of water you see i can see the potted plant behind you i can see those yellow flowers i can probably see a little more than that as well um, now of course i've learned the difference between uh, what's tangible and what's not but then i did know it okay so on that itself right i was um, you know the, the reason of that denial obviously was one of the things was this probably and i'm assuming that was the pre programming that you were running which was that i need to be an engineer or a doctor or whatever right so i need to follow a certain career path or maybe because you were different why do you think now when you look back today like why do you think was that denial or was it because that was not an accepted norm um so i'm going to answer this in 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 uh, i'm going to respond to that in two parts one part mm-hmm. of it was my journey the other part of it was what in hindsight i've discovered is that stage of adolescence and a, a large part of what i'm saying which i will be the, also the foundation for the rest of our conversation which is this sense of identity right so if i ask you bijay who are you what's the mm. answer i'll get so who's bijay if bijay had to tell me who bijay was or if a third person had to tell me who bijay was what's the answer i would get mm. so i think that's the question that i'm pondering a lot myself nowadays but one of the things like i i mean again like i'm probably trying to avoid that question but one of the thing that you know that one of the you know artists whom i have interviewed on the show and that kind of resonated with me also now he is featured on the netflix series as well so he said you know what we all are the stories or we all are trying to create the stories that you know and and because we all are stories then try and leave the best story that you can tell so mm-hmm. i think when think about you know myself as well so i think that kind of resonates to me that i am probably someone who is just trying to be best of myself and probably i mean be of service as much as i can so i don't know i mean how to really answer that question but you realize that even for that bijay for somebody like you who's been on this quest for the longest time this is a difficult answer if i normally ask somebody about who they are the answer i'm likely to get is right about the jobs they hold the responsibilities they have the 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 positions they occupy the school they study in or uh, what they're doing right and and i think here's where a lot of my angst and honestly all adolescent angst emerges from which is that when we are younger say about 9 10 11 12 ish kinds as children our identities are a function of what we do so you know they're defined by what we do So if you do your brush at night you're a good boy if you finish your homework on time you're a good boy if you go down to play you'll be a good boy all work and no play makes jack a dull boy so our identities are about what we do somewhere from our adolescence right up to our adult lives our identities become a function bejoy of of what we do or what we have right from from what we do to what we have now whether it's the job you have the family you have the educational qualifications you have the building you have the flat you live in the cars you have you know so everything becomes a definition our identities are a function of the roles and responsibilities and the possessions we have material and non material but think about it 
is that who we really are so if i strip you of what you do and what you have then is your identity of who you are and who you be what you spoke about bijay your story that's when it starts emerging right now it's very interesting about how this journey transcends right so when we are children we are all outside in whatever we are told we reflect that and that's our identity that's who we are there's no self there's no ego that emerges somewhere in the process of adolescence is that you know that that person who's me starts emerging so the identity starts emerging that's what adolescence is when that identity starts emerging to say what do i like what are my passions what can i see who i am why i am what do i want to do with life who do i love why do i do what i do all of that starts emerging somewhere in your adolescence right but while this is emerging our external world doesn't go away so mm. that external world and frankly as parents and and i understand this now because of being parent to two adolescent girls my older ones 18 the younger ones 14 and you realize that the the outside world doesn't go away right so uh what you're doing get 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 uh, security get financial security do well in your academics take sciences do law this that and the other uh, what will the world think log kya kahenge so what will people yeah. think what are you wearing that noise doesn't go away so while in your adolescence you're still dealing with who you are and this new beast and this new creature and this new person that's emerging of you the outside world doesn't go away right mm. so and 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 it's very interesting while while we say that you become an adult at 18 actually it's not at 18 that you become an adult you this process continues this process of churning and discovery and this um, adolescenting process actually continues till your 25 and that's a specific mm. biological event at 25 your pineal gland matures and gets set right so in fact which is why if you remember all our ancient scriptures have brahmacharya or the student age or the first stage of life till your 25 right so mm. this journey that continues to happen till your 25 at 25 these uh, this concrete of of your identity and the outside world coming in gets settled and fixed the fears mm. and insecurities that that get frozen then then hold you back for the rest of your life and all our life mm. we then spend in in just living out whatever that that mold that got created at 25 was right so and and while while that's been the discovery in hindsight i do realize that what was happening with me at that point of time was this conflict of the person that i'm emerging versus peer pressure versus how i'm being judged versus the need for identity security financial security academic security and and i think that conflict in that conflict at that point of time the outside world won mm. and i think that led to um, so i blocked myself out because that was the the most teenage way to deal with this was to block yourself out and how do you block yourself out you block yourself out because it's obviously something in you that's that's dying to come out that's like bursting um to become you and then you very uh, deliberately cap it and you cap it by engaging with the outside world so that was the life where you know one became this very loud rowdy teenager and i would pick up battles and go outside and spoil for a fight and prove a point to the rest of the world oh you could challenge me into anything i would do anything to prove a point mm. 
to the world yeah. everything became about you know taking on the world and it's a fight and it's a battle and i'm the rebel without a cause and i am going to show to you what i am made of in all of that all of which was basically generating outside noise because if that noise mm. went away then you would have to face your own silence and and that you were not mm. ready for it's so much easier to live the external narrative um so yeah that that was the journey that started then i blocked myself out i stopped having conversations with myself and because i did all of that that was the time where i lived the world's narrative so went ahead and did economics hated every single day of economics wanted to actually study science but it wasn't cool to study science right so if you didn't mm. become an engineer or didn't crack iit then who studies science mm. you don't go to bsc in physics even if that's what every every iota of your being wanted to do you did economics from economics you did an mba because it was the easiest shortcut uh, to success much easier than uh, than than the alternative of finding out who you really are the alternative mm. to living the worldly narrative is finding what your narrative is and bije like like we were talking about what you've done with your podcast and with inspiring toxics exactly that i mean i have tremendous respect for your embrace of your own self so i think that's a journey that went on one did an mba one took a job in the banking world even though um, the only thing that i you know after during my mba i thought you know let me join the fmcg world but guess mm-hmm. what i had i had no offers from any fmcg company and i was the only one on campus with offers from all the four banks so you went and became a banker it was very cool right so all this was very mm-hmm. cool economics honors was cool mba was cool joining becoming a banker was very cool and so on and so forth thankfully there were moments of sanity where one fell in love and one got married yeah those are moments yeah so i'll come to that so um you know before we proceed uh, there one of the things that you you know shared which is i think very deep even for the people who are listening to this not only for the teenagers i come across so many people not only teenagers but adult right uh, and i'm sure you do the same as well you come across so many people who are all they are trying to do in the life is to just get carried away with the outer narrative and the only reason for to chase the outer narrative and just do that is because if they stop doing that then they have the inner demons you may like to call or the things that you know that you are trying to be is gonna now you know trouble you and that's why you know you just are constantly doing that and you are too afraid to face that right so we'll come to the adults later on but now Eka I'm sure you have seen this with your daughters as well and you have like teenage daughters right so can you remember any particular conversation that you have had with your daughters where you know you are you know trying to tell them that it's okay to face the inner narrative or something and then just shut the outer you know this chatter and the noise and then just go in just acknowledge it and then just I'm sure it's not a easy one but if you can remember any of those conversations for the listeners who are particularly the young listeners So it's actually a journey but i bije as even as the as as even as the person who operates in this space and and does life coaching and and does senior corporate executive teaches the rest of the world to embrace themselves the role as a mother is not easy the, the, the temptation to you know to to step in and say i know what's right and you don't know what's good for you yeah is very very strong and so um and in fact i must uh admit i am actually very grateful to the girls for allowing me the opportunity to face and challenge my own uh, notions of being a mother by my own self right i realized bijay what was happening so oishi is now 18 and tavishi is now 14 so about 5 6 years ago when oishi was stepping into you know 
12 and 13 and i know it all and uh, you know that, that dealing with her own self the temptation to be the classic classic mother to be the best mother because you know your child is doing wrong you know you want to open them out to a conversation it it was a hard choice and i must tell you about a little incident that that and, and it's a very constant conversation but it sort of set the grounding principle in the house right so the elder one came in uh, i think she was about 14 15 15 when she came and said i want a tattoo right mm-hmm. now it's a very standard 15 year old request the mother in me is immediately tempted to say no you will not get one right now <laughs> but the adult in me then says but why matlab what's the reason what's my discomfort with a tattoo so we had this very interesting conversation in the house where the ground rule is that and i explained to them the same logic you know till you're 25 and till you mature and etc etc and as um, it so the the rule is that you can't take a permanent decision till you're 25 So anything that's not undoable, you can't do till you're twenty-five. Only you can do things mm. that are undoable. So as a tattoo, undoable? No, it is not. So tattoo happens after twenty-five. And by the way, obviously we have like a serious uh, discussion, dispute, and debate and argument on that because I want a tattoo, and I'm saying no, not till you're twenty-five. Okay, but till then, so and we were laughing about it because she was saying how a friend of hers has this tattoo on her uh, wrist of her date of birth. Mm. She was only laughing with me about it. She said, "Like it's like she gets up in the morning and she wants to be reminded about date of birth." So I said, "See, that's exactly what happens with teenage tattoos, right?" So no, mm. no, but I will take a sensible call because obviously, you know, I know it all. Yeah. After twenty-five, and then when this conversation went on further, it was very interesting, Vijay. She said, "Can I dye my hair? Can I color my hair?" And uh, so again, the principle applied: Is it undoable? Of course, it's undoable. The hair will grow back again. No big deal. There's no permanence of that decision. So he said, "Yes, you can. Of course, she's she's not dyed it yet, but now I'm okay with it. It doesn't matter, right?" The principle it established was about the doability and the undoability. So why was I opposing tattoos? Now, part of it was because of being the mother, but I think when you dig deeper, you realize that it's actually because you know you can't undo it. It's a decision you'll regret later. Dyeing your hair is not a decision you will regret. You can undo it. And so we actually went ahead and had a further conversation around it. anything that's undoable versus what's doable you want to go out you know drinking one night and do a party that's all right it's completely undoable no long term consequences of course you will wake up feeling miserable the next day you would probably have broken some friendships probably have done some stupid things that you regret for the next 3 days but nothing more than that however and think about it posting something on the internet for instance it's not undoable and these children mm. realize it much better so that principle got established that a pregnancy a teenage pregnancy is undoable is not undoable right it has longer term mm. consequences that and and they were laughing about it you know she said mom how can you equate getting a tattoo to a teenage pregnancy i said but same scale no it's not about scale it's about the first principle so the first principle is doability and undoability end of story so yeah and and we have plenty of such arguments uh, debates conversations around the house all the time all the time including last so i think that's a very very yeah i think that's a very really interesting you know way to look at things and i'm sure if there are people who who are parents listening to this i think that's a really good filter to use right to what to allow to because a lot of the times like you know parents are not well educated like in in saying yes or no to the kids because they themselves don't know whether you know how, what is going to be the impact of this but just using this filter of saying that you know is it doable and is it undoable it's easier for the parents as well to say to their kids that you know what 
the larger philosophy bijay is uh, not about the filter you apply the larger philosophy is about about us trying desperately to be parents you know so we hold ourselves not to the tattoo or the party or the you know pigsty cupboards that's not what we are holding ourselves to as adults we are holding ourselves to the notion of what an ideal parent should be you remember when yeah. we were children we used to write these essays right ideal teacher ideal student ideal leader all of that and and later on when we are talking about emotional resilience and and embracing your own emotions this will become a very important part of that discussion to say what am i supposed to be right so till i am holding on to the notion of what an ideal mother should be i will live by external notions then i am a screaming banshee because in my mind an ideal mother must ensure that their children have their dinner by 7:30 an ideal mother must ensure that you know children brush their teeth on time an ideal mother must ensure that all homework is done right and and therefore i become i become this uh veiling banshee mother around the house because i'm trying so desperately to be an ideal mother whereas mm. actually if i you know get rid of the fact that i'm a mother then that conversation is a person to person conversation then i can tell my daughter that dekho aisa hai if you don't brush your teeth my teeth aren't getting spoiled your teeth will mm. get spoiled if you don't eat your vegetables my tummy will not hurt if you mm. don't do your homework i will not be left illiterate or i will not mm. get humiliated in school you know so suddenly mm. then i allow them their identity i allow them their existence i allow them to think and reason and i remember when i was yelling at my daughter right, telling her that no actually now i don't yell because then now that i'm not trying to be the mother then i can goof off right then i can dance maniacally to a nuclear which is playing because mothers mm. may or may not dance i enjoy that dance i can goof off i can sleep off on the armchair or the sofa and that's acceptable i'm accepting myself more than them accepting me you know so i remember the younger one once telling me not now when I mean, she was 7 or something and i was telling her, i said go brush your teeth look at your teeth otherwise i'll take you to the dentist but i am a child i said so <laughs> is that lovely she said no but it's your job as a parent to make sure that <laughs> And if you have that much of sense to tell me what a parent's job is, when do you just go brush your teeth at that time? You know, and suddenly it's it's okay, right? So we hold ourselves to the notion of who we are as parents. If we let that go, then only you can arrive at the operating principles. So in my household, the operating principle may be about the undoability, but in my in my parents' household, it was very different. I remember my mother telling me it was very interesting. my mother telling me about the consequence about the action consequence principle my mother never used any concept of right or wrong with me mm. so the only principle she used was that beta whenever you are doing something close your eyes and think once whether this act this person this job this decision that you are taking is worth it and that was her principle right so but but we we need to allow ourselves to arrive at our principles and not yeah. hold on to a notion of how the yeah this yeah So this brings me to another interesting, you know, thought that just crossed my mind, which is about like, you know, this whole idea about being perfect, right? Like you, you mentioned about being perfect mother, right? And then, and then letting it go, right? I don't have to be a perfect mother, and then you know, and then the whole thing changes, right? Even in the career or whatever we do in our life, right? So this perfect thing, like I need to be ideal, like whatever, ideal father, ideal husband, ide- ideal boyfriend, ideal. whatever that is right so that is so much ingrained in that so who defines what is ideal i'll actually take a step back from that bijay mm-hmm. uh, 
where does our need to hold on to an ideal come from and i'll and, yeah. I'll, and that's step 2 the first step is acknowledging that we are outside our control and every time that we operate outside of ourselves we are going to be the victim of an external world mm-hmm. what that means is and this this the, this concept is brilliantly explained by the concept of the kshetra in the bhagavad gita right which is about saying what is within my control and what is outside my control so circle and and the west calls it brilliantly as the circle of control and circle of concern whenever i operate from my from my circle of concern rather than circle of control i will have panic i will have stress i will have anger i will have fear i will have insecurity right i'll take a very small ex- actually anger always when was the last time you got angry what did you get angry with what was the last occasion that you remember getting angry wow so so okay i mean there's a really interesting thing about the you know my own anger journey which i'll share later on but don't have like the, that big kind of a burst kind of a thing i don't do that anymore but those are like a shorter kind of a thing i might have got in you know, last week or so where where i might have sounded a little bit but that you know that kind of lasts for like a couple of seconds so um so yeah i mean maybe it's something with my sister so yeah but what was it that made you angry something she didn't do yeah yeah maybe the way i wanted or something something on that right so so, so yeah. your anger originated because it was something you it wasn't about you at all yeah yeah so it wasn't about within your control it was because it was outside your control so anger fear panic uh, depression sadness hopelessness all of it emerges when you operate from circle of concern not control it operate emerges from a state of helplessness Right, so the classic parental anger with the child also operates because you know that the child is going to get hurt, and mm. and your your helplessness as the parent out of sheer love, mm. but that helplessness as a parent to know that you you can't control, you know, the fact that your child is going to get hurt. It is their hurt. It is their life. They will get hurt, but it's your helplessness that leads to anger. Or let's take the current context of the pandemic, Corona. Okay, there is one big virus called Corona. all around the world and i am in panic and i am uh, in fear and i'm scared and i'm terrified and i'm angry that my world has been curtailed etc etc all of that is space of concern you can do nothing about it the only thing that you can do is come back into your circle of control by saying what is it that i can do about it so all that i can do mm-hmm. about it is make sure my i wear my mask my house is closed i am eating hi- healthy hygienic food i'm washing my hands i'm drinking my hot water with pepper haldi whatever else i'm having it with and then letting go right so the origin and that's why i said the first step is the origin of stress of anger of fear of panic and we will come back to discuss this further but now that we've established what the pathology of anger is where does it originate from the next level is how does it express itself how do i diffuse it for myself so one part is of mm. course that you get angry mm. or you live in fear or you live in panic but the other part of it is that we then construct these notions of how the world must be versus mm-hmm. how it really is so you got angry yeah. with your sister because she didn't do something or something wasn't the way you thought it must be it has nothing to do with her yeah it, you expressed it on her because in your mind you think she is the one who must do this thing and that's from where the notions of the ideal come so there are two spaces from where the notion of the ideal comes one is when we 
live or when we peg ourselves, when we anchor ourselves to something outside of us, in our circle of concern, for how the world must be, should be, supposed to be, yahi satya hai, this is the truth and the absolute truth, this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad, all of these are spaces where we anchor ourselves so that we don't have to take control or charge of it. So, that's one space where the concept of the ideal comes from. But the other is even more interesting, the concept of the ideal that is the best of us. So, the concept of our own personal heroes. Mm. What, what, what usually happens is that instead of living or discovering or exploring our own narrative, of what do I want to do, who's my ideal, why are they my ideal, um, how do I want my world to be, how do I want me to be, because for that I will have to take responsibility. It's much easier to shift to an outside narrative of like I said, mm. how a mother must be, how a leader must be, how a brother yeah. must be, how the house must be, how the dishes must be, how the toys must be arranged or how the books must be arranged. It's just much easier. And that's why we have this concept so that um, so that it allows us to anchor ourselves, not within us, but an excuse to be outside. It's like how Eka's reason, Eka was anchored in this concept of, you know, the cool corporate czar, because that was an easier narrative. Mm -hmm. and, and what I was running away from was actually discovering who I was, why I was, what I really wanted to be, because that needs my own responsibility and accountability. Then there's no concept of cool. No? There is no point to prove mm -hmm. to anyone else. There's no external narrative. So the reason a lot of times we have these notions of the ideal role, the ideal responsibility, the ideal house, the ideal level of cleanliness, the ideal academic behavior, anything, is because we're avoiding that conversation with ourselves. Because otherwise you'll have to go in. You can either be inside or outside. You can mm. choose whether you want to be inside or outside. And those are the only choices. So take us there and uh, talk about the time point in your life, right? Almost for the 20 years, you kept running away from that uh, inner conversation yourselves. And uh, there could be no better person than you to, you know, actually talk about this because you kept running away for 20 years. And then, you know, life slaps you saying that now it's time to have the conversation, have that one. You know, I think that's the first slap. And then probably you where yet to get it 100%, then, you know, life slaps you with yet another one, right? So maybe you can talk more about what are the incidents that I'm uh, trying to refer to for the better understanding of the audience. But then, you know, share with us then, you know, how exactly you went about starting to have those inner conversations with yourself. So here's the deep, dark secret, right? So <laughs> uh, when, when Siddharth and I got married, and we got married really, really early, we finished our MBA when we were both 22. At 23, we were married. At 24, wow. we were parents. Um, and, and, and if you saw our life from the outside, it was, it was very, very similar, right? But I must tell you about him. And I, and I think I've learned a lot from him in this journey. Um, so we were both science students, class 12, because, I mean, you only took sciences when we were younger. Siddharth's um, the father wanted him to join the army. Siddharth didn't want to join the army. So he went, he took the NDA exam, came back, got his Air Force letter, showed it to his father to say, look, I can do it. But I don't want to join the army. I want to be in the corporate world. Okay. Here was I wanting to do engineering. Took the exams. Uh, didn't crack IIT. So didn't crack IIT money. I mean, either you should have had that passion enough to sit down, dedicate yourself to it or do science instead. But no, it wasn't cool to, uh, to uh, not be in IIT. So 
what's the next coolest thing to do economics honors so both of us did economics honors delhi university right so so same public mm-hmm. school he was lamartia lucknow i was wellam girls dehradun then we went to delhi university economics honors economics honors his reason for eco was because he wanted to join the corporate world my reason for eco was because it was the coolest thing to do mm-hmm. both of us hated every single day of economics then we did our mbas he did his mba because he wanted to join the corporate world i did my mm-hmm. mba because it was the coolest thing to do <laughs> uh, and got you a great job and got you some money right so mba ho gaya after the mba he was first day first slot fmcg company i got my first day first slot banking company he only wanted to join the fmcg company sadhat was very clear about that he wanted to do marketing in the corporate world in the best fmcg company in the country right mm. so for his summers he didn't get placed there uh, he tried again for his finals he didn't get placed there for in in his first job after campus he tried again he didn't get that job it was from his second job outside of campus that he finally got the job he wanted right whereas i wanted to join fmcg got got banking again banking was very cool first day first slot very cool you know foreign fancy foreign bank you got so you picked that up now think about it when you looked at our lives from the outside they were identical right so public school education sciences background economics honors delhi university mba from a premier b school and fancy corporate jobs at the best corporates in the country and yet there was one of us who was deeply unhappy from within and one of us who was very happy right mm. the one who was happy was actually doing well rising getting his promotions uh, you know and just being happy enjoying his space the one who was deeply unhappy was sitting there you know uh, blaming the system blaming and by the way because education and everything else was common level of wealth was common so therefore the only thing i had to hold on to was gender there is gender discrimination mm. and you know <laughs> the, the world is bad and the industry is bad and they have favoritism all of it it had nothing to do with the industry it had to do with the with the excuses in my mind that i was trying to make for my own unhappiness because i wasn't embracing myself because i was constantly living the external narrative 20 years is a long time to live in that so i did about a decade and a half of of banking and i was a good banker you know vijay i was and i must confess i was actually a good banker but that i realized is that i would be a decently good anything because i'm a hard worker it mm. doesn't have to do with banking right mm. and i had my usual promotions that one gets in banking of uh, you know your what i call the hindu rate of growth promotions in the corporate <laughs> world uh, where you were climbing the ladder but being very unhappy right and then two things happened the first one was about me uh, embracing the healer self uh, which is when our second daughter was born and we had serious medical issues with her and we didn't know whether she would live or die for the first 6 uh, months and um, i think that's the first time that 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 jolt happened and i was i felt miserable i felt miserable because i not not as the mother but as the healer because i was supposed mm. to have been able to heal her work with her but because i'd been so busy whining running away from myself denying myself that i couldn't do what mattered most then and this was this was 2006 um in 2008 we moved to singapore that's when i did took up my first entrepreneurial venture um and then like you said uh, what 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 going to singapore did was allowed me that space to at least start asking the questions 
night suddenly for the first time in my life i was even asking those questions of why i wasn't embracing myself but still didn't do anything about it and then like you said it's almost like bhagwan ji gives you one tight slap to say don't you get it so then i had a very very nasty road accident when i was in singapore 2010 um i think that that is when the tip over happened because suddenly it wasn't about healing anybody else but it was actually about healing myself and the first step of embracing myself was to embrace my healing self so then i spent the next 6 months embracing myself going back to everything that was important the yoga the meditation um the healing needed to come back and and like we said no i've lost the right for life bijay to say to anyone that i have done so much for you look you haven't done for me which is mm. basically how we live the world look at so much i'm doing you don't do anything for me i've lost the right in life to say that to anyone for the amount of love that i received for the amount of healing that i received just for my gratitude to the universe that was the first 6 months then we shifted back to india um i spent the next 6 months literally as they say paying off all my social and emotional debts uh went back to the mountains which is where i came from and that's where i actually derive my energy from uh went back to old school spirit school teachers friends just for closure just to say that look i mean i'm sorry if i've behaved badly all these years i love that jain concept no of bichhami dukdam where mm-hmm. uh, you know i love that idea of saying that i'm sorry and i apologize for all the grief and harm i may have ever caused uh but know that you're important to me uh my parents and laws everybody so that was that phase and i think the last thing that was left was my corporate nirvana i hadn't reached that stage of you know i can't work in a corporate house even one more day um uh, so mm-hmm. when did did my last uh, corporate job there and then bijay somewhere in 2012 and i still remember that day vividly um was that day where i resigned from my last job and it was this feeling of absolute empty that that was the day of the rebirth where there was mm. there was no there was no desire there was there was nothing left inside me i didn't owe a thing to anybody nobody owed me a thing um i think that's from where the second life began and and like i told you right now i'm on my third life because um there was also another rebirth that happened so the first life was 20 years 13 to 33 of anger of denial of resentment of uh, not liking oneself the second life was 2012 to about 2018 which was that life of embracing yourself why you are who you are what you are what do you want to do loving yourself accepting yourself i think that was a life where i found my purpose my passion my mythology my ancient wisdom that is the answer to all our solutions reaching within ourselves i reeducated myself all of that happened um and i think about 2 years ago um when i was in oxford that's when um i've stepped into my third life and this gorgeous life where where there is where is where you just step into yourself there is there are no fears no insecurities there's only a very clear conscious purpose where you just be there is no expectation there is no um it's just about living in the here and the now while you do what you set out to do yeah that's that's awesome. not a long answer to a short question <laughs> yeah so it's it's a constant discovery and rediscovery right um and i think that's the journey for all of us and for the listeners who are listening to us and based on your experience right so and i'm sure you know you do believe that anyone can live this life that you the third life that you are you know referring to which is living number 1 with the self love and being in complete 
love and acceptance of who you are, the way you are, and then living without the fear and pursuing the things that you love, right? And all of us, like most of us, let's say, most of us know what is it. And uh, it's again, you know, it goes back to the fact that, you know, it's just that we don't have enough courage to maybe take those decisions or maybe the understanding of, of the life. In fact, like I don't have to do this if I don't love this anymore or, you know, there is something else that I can tap into and, you know, take this leap. But still, there's something that stops a lot of people, right? So how do you think that, you know, people can even begin on that journey? Like, let's say who are just leaving the way, you know, life throws at them. But how can one, you know, take that control and say that, you know what, I want to now start making changes. Like, where does one begin on this journey? So it's a three-step process, but that process must begin from you. So there's nobody else who can take that decision for you. There's nobody else who will uh, tell you when it's time. That burning desire to change your life or that burning desire to embrace yourself must come from within you. That's step one. Now, the question is, how does it happen, right? So like I said, there are, there are the first step and we spoke about it is stepping from your circle of concern to circle of control. How do you do that? You do that by becoming aware of everything that makes you angry, everything that makes you sad. Every time that you are angry or sad or depressed or offended or hurt or panicking or scared, any one of those, step into it because that will will that will lead to a shadow that will lead to something that you are expressing but that's not yours that's within you but that's not yours and i'll give you an example in my case i realized that every time that i got angry every time so people have different reasons for being angry i realized that every time i got angry it was because of a person issue mm. it's i realized that in my uh, childhood and adolescence and there was no harm in it right that's how our parents bring us up i was brought up to be very approval seeking mm. you know somebody else shouldn't get hurt make sure they're looked after what will people think you know think about them be considerate be kind which is fine but my epiphany was realizing I am actually not approval seeking at all. Deep inside me, I actually don't care what people think. That's the person mm -hmm. I am. And how did it manifest? And I realized this because every time that I would get angry or hurt or offended or fearful, it was this thing of what was somebody else thinking. Right? So I would always get angry about, look, I've done so much for them and they haven't. Look, you know, I'm feeling disrespected. Look, they stood me up. Look, I don't think they love me enough. You know, and so I didn't have financial issues or competition or achievement issues. Every one of my issues that I got angry about or upset about or had stress about had to do with people, which led me to believe that this is a shadow. So your anger, your panic, your fear, become aware of it. That's step one. Mm -hmm. Then work backwards to figure out what that shadow is. How does it manifest? So the second step is the manifestation of that. And this comes back to what you were talking about, Vijay. The sense of how the world should be. We hide ourselves or our shadows behind a sense of supposed to be, must be, aisa hona chahiye, this is the truth. This is how life must be done. This is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. And watch yourself every time that you use these words. Every time that you use any of these words, 
or hold yourself to you know how a mother must behave how a brother must be how a husband must be but this is a wife's job but the husband must do this but this is how children must behave every time that you come across this it is because you are anchoring yourself in your shadow outside so this first step is becoming aware of what causes you stress anger panic fear uncertainty whatever it is the second step is watching yourself to the notions you are anchoring in because those need to be let go mm. so the second step is letting go of the notions you are anchoring yourself on because till you are holding yourself there you can't slip in you are anchored outside so that's the second step um, and the third step and you know this is by far the easiest sounding but the most difficult to do step is the step of neuroplasticity is the step of creating mm. the alternate pathway right um i'll go back to the second step and give you a chota sa example of of how it plays out right do you know how to swim no okay but if you're in a pool and there's a yeah. ball at the other end of the pool mm how will you get that ball you want that ball how will you get that ball mm so yeah i mean you want to go maybe calmer because the more effort that you put then in the farther the ball is going to go the more you chase the ball the further the ball goes away and the moment yep. you're and and you know we've been raised to believe that keep your eyes on the ball whereas actually yeah. you need to keep your eyes and your center of attention to your own strokes so you calmly mm. swim towards the ball and actually when you're close to the ball you stop you pause you wait for the ball to come to you right and this by the way is in this gorgeous concept of the bhagavad gita the concept of the karma so karmanne vadikaraste ma phaleshu kadachana we like to believe that it's this fancy notion of saying that detach yourself from the result and everything will come to you yes it is but at its most basic level it is about action and consequence mm. it's about and and by the way action doesn't happen just in physical action action initiates at the level of thought at the level of intention Absolutely. at the level of idea it will have a consequence just there are only actions and consequences there's no concept of right or wrong the moment we embrace that and in order to embrace that you will just have to watch your actions so the first step is the why the circle of control and circle of concern the second step is the is, which is the concept of the kshetra the second is the notion of what you are hooking yourself onto releasing mm. that to living in the present the here and the now and not how the world should be but what it is so it's like if if you got irritated because that that vase was not kept at the top of that table mm. now why were you irritated about that because that's the place of the vase the vase must be kept on the top of the bookshelf on the right corner the moment you've used the word must mm. break down that question into saying says who I mean, what happens mm. when that vase moves to the center why mm. are you holding on to the notion of that vase being kept to the on the right hand side corner and mm. bhagwan ji ne likh ke bheja tha did you get one god ordained advice saying that the vase must be kept there only right so that's a notion we hold on ourselves to the the notion of the ideal mother saying that the ideal mother must ensure that the children brush their teeth at night why mm. the children need to brush no the mother doesn't need to brush their teeth so if you have a rule for yourself which is circle of control which is saying i must brush my teeth at 7:30 every night that's fine that's within mm. your control and that won't make you angry if you don't brush your teeth at 7:30 every night that won't make you angry but the moment you step out of your control into concern that no my sister you must brush your teeth at 7:30 every night mm. you've lost control because mm. you're holding also to your notion outside of you and therefore to shift that focus from the outside to the inside there's this fabulous practice called neuroplasticity basically mm. our mind is a binary 
डिवाइस इट कैन आई दिंक इन जीरो इट डजेंट अंडरस्टैंड द कॉन्सेप्ट ऑफ अनडूइंग समथिंग ऑफ लूजिंग समथिंग इट्स लाइक विजय टेल यू राइट नाउ विजय डू एनी थिंग बट डोंट थिंक ऑफ लंगूर मंकीज डू एनी थिंग बट डोंट थिंक ऑफ मंकीज गेस ंगरीज you know you don't tell them don't get angry you tell them create the alternate cycle so start breathing start counting start mm. taking water you remember chakde have you seen chakde yep so yep, in chakde yep. there is that girl from chandigarh who gets very angry and her mother says beta tu gussa thuk de drink water because the yeah. brain can only do one thing at a time so you have to snap that pathology of anger stress fear panic uncertainty whatever it is irritation you have to snap that and replace mm. it quickly with an alternative because the brain, the world doesn't have the concept of a vacuum You remember when we mm. were kids, we used to hear this wonderful shloka from the Brihada Upanishad, Upanishad, Brihada Aranya Ka Upanishad. It said, "Asatoma sat kamaya, tamasoma jyotir kamaya." You don't take away darkness, and you don't mm. enter a dark room and say, "I'm going to take away darkness." You just introduce mm. light. Mm-hmm. You don't focus on the darkness. Yeah. You just introduce light. You don't say, "You know, I'm yeah. not not going to lie. I am not not going to lie." You simply replace it with the truth, mm. and that's the practice of. coming back into yourself embracing the yes setting up alternate neural pathways so you don't i mean mm. are you a vegetarian or you or are you a non vegetarian vijay i am a vegetarian mm. but i mean not like a but you're not a strict I mean, vegetarian trying, yeah. yeah yeah not a strict yeah not a strict not a strict yeah so think about it right let's think about somebody who is a non vegetarian and is trying to leave non veg food yeah okay that person goes to a party and that mm. that party there's like really good non vegetarian food on the table yeah that man spends his entire evening at the party battling with that non veg food mm. battling with that food to say i'm not going to have you look at that food standing there and tempting me no no but i'm going to resist right whereas yeah. if you're actually a vegetarian mm. you know that non veg food doesn't even register yeah that is neuroplasticity mm. when you don't spend your life hating non vegetarian food but it doesn't even register very sahaj very gracefully so the concept of anger is only not there the concept of competition mm. is only not there the concept mm. of the ideal notion is only not there how an ideal mother should be or a brother should be or how that vase should be kept on the right hand corner is not there right so you you let go of the notions of the world how it's supposed to be and then you find that you automatically automatically shift into control right and you know I'll, i'll again give you this very chota sa example uh but you know we have this couple in our building that my parents are very fond of and uh, they live on the 20th floor we live on the 27th floor and uh, my parents they have a daughter who my parents think you know should be friends with my daughter etc etc they're very fond of her so there's this day when i was entering the elevator and this couple was already there so i got in and i said are how nice so and this is pre covid era so there were no masks mm. so i uh, looked at them i said are how nice to see you and you know my parents speak really highly of you and um really wonderful daughter you have and uh, you know my parents just adore you now what would your reaction to that be if somebody tells you this walks into an elevator and mm. you know says this about you what would you say yeah thank you 
I mean, you just thank acknowledge you. that. Uh, thank you. It's so, yeah. so nice of you. And, you know, she's also a wonderful yeah. person. Your parents are nice. Yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. So she turned around and she looked at me. She said, why are you jealous? <laughs> and I just looked at her and I said, sorry, should I be? And until, you know, the 20th floor came, they left and I came back home. My mother was at home, right? So I got in and I, and I told my mother, I said, this conversation happened. So my mother is my mother. <laughs> so she turned around. She said, you're being judgmental. I said, no, no, I'm not being judgmental. But they're thinking that I'm jealous doesn't make me jealous. But it tells me the mind space they are operating from. Mm. Nothing else. It tells me that this notion of, you know, the concept of jealousy, they have something we don't have. That notion existed. Mm. Right? And that's that third step, which is replacing the negative with the alternative. The most powerful, powerful, powerful way that I found to do this, Vijay. And it really is simple, but so difficult to do, which is to not use negative words. And and it kills you, especially as a parent and a parent of yeah. adolescent children, it kills you. <laughs> when at 3 o'clock <laughs> in the morning, they want to wake you up and say, can I have ice cream? <laughs> like, mm. Yeah. So, but, but Amazing. that is the uh, way you yeah. step out. Yeah. And that's Go the ahead. way you, I mean, it, it's a simple thing. It looks, it sounds very unrelated. It sounds very uncomplicated. But really, it's the simple things that really, really, really matter, which is just being open and not using negative words. Eventually, you find that, so three things happen with that. One is that by not using a negative word, you, um, because the moment you've said a no, not, cannot, must, supposed to, right, wrong, you have paused your brain from thinking further. Mm. Right? So that's the first thing that you've done. So you've snapped the cycle and the pathology of anger and fear and panic and irritation from kicking in. So the moment you've snapped that pathology, that's the first thing that happens. The second thing that happens is that you force yourself to think of the alternative. So you're forcing yourself to say, you know, the sense of saying that the vase being kept on the right-hand corner. The moment you your your challenge or you force yourself, then you're asking yourself, you said, why? Matlab, can can there be something else? Can it be kept in the center? Can it be kept on another table? That's when you open mm. yourself up to think of thinking of the alternative. That's the second thing that's important that, that happens. And the third thing, which is actually a, an indirect consequence but very powerful, is that to the other person or the person you the concept you're corresponding with you've you're seeing the other aspect and increasing your own respect and and slowly slowly exactly like building a muscle at a gym this becomes repeated behavior iterative behavior slowly translates into the way you think and eventually becomes you you know so this mm. and and that's exactly what happened with me by the way where i just stopped saying a no because i stopped saying mm. a no i was able to say acha let me study mythology let me study neurosciences let me figure out anthropology where am i hunting for the answers for can i do this and and there was because there was no notion of you know a corporate ceo must do this mm. it allowed me to do anything no it's okay for a banker yeah. to then become a student for a student to yeah. then become an entrepreneur and you know bichai i have seen that validation where i realized that for the 12 years that i was actually chasing the corporate world uh, you know my next promotion my next level would I have made to the CEO of any bank? Possibly not. But mm. when I actually embraced who I was and did only what I wanted to do, karmanne vadi ka raste, I actually, within two years of that, I actually made the first CEO of my batch, mm. whether man or woman. And that's because I wasn't chasing that CEO position. That CEO position was just, it, it, it was literally a nimitta matra, via medium to the impact I wanted to create or the 
so stop defining my identity with with what i was doing or what i had and and that's how the shift happens that that's how emotional resilience happens with more practice wow. comes greater resilience i think those are yeah i think those are like really uh, practical tips for a, a lot of people listening to this podcast and uh, whether that's about the circle of control versus circle of concern or whether that whether you, you mention about dealing with your kids and something that's undoable or not and i think that's also really a good filter to probably use and also you know the things about awareness and uh, so uh, like with me right growing up again as a teenager like i was extremely angry teenager uh, i would get like extremely angry to to the extent that at one point right you know i was so angry that my sister was on the bicycle and i intentionally like i rolled the bicycle and she ended up having her hand fracture right so that was the extent of anger that i had growing up and and then you know again as you said like the first step which was about awareness so i started becoming more in, when I, when i started getting into self help and started reading books and so on and so forth and then i started being aware of the incidents instances where i was being angry and just that one simple thing about oh okay what i'm feeling right now is anger or i mean even if you don't notice like when you are at that like just after feeling angry then just realize oh i again you know felt angry and what why i was being angry right and uh, in the past 3 years or 3 4 years like it the, the uh, you know as as i was saying earlier like i don't really get angry as much as i used to do and it has dropped down to an extent like where i'm extremely calm right now and uh, uh, and you know that emotion is not to the extent that it it does any harm to me anymore right and another thing that has helped me extremely in this is meditation which also you talk a lot about right so i have been on and off meditator for the past 3 years but for the past 2 months i have never missed a single day I, like i meditated every single day and as a result of that one of the things that you mentioned which is getting more clarity of the thoughts right it 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 helps me in getting more and more clear with my thoughts and my stress level oh my god it has gone li- like to almost like nil now i'm i'm more calm and composed and i see with more clarity and uh, one thing that i never thought that meditation would help me do is the self love and acceptance now you know when i'm constantly looking at myself and you know just observing inside i realize that i started accepting me more than what i used to do and and not have any judgment for myself and in fact uh you know we have done a detailed episode the episode just before yours uh, was a detailed um episode on the meditation and uh, and you know how can people get really into meditation and breaking some of the myths that you know you need to go to the himalayas and sit on the side of the river to meditate and so on and so, so forth that right? would be perfect um, <laughs> that would be ideal but uh, i mean you don't really need to uh, be in that place to do the meditation right so these are the things that has really helped me cope up with these kind of negative emotions for me right so are there anything else that you'd like to share to the people on how can they actually you know as as we also call it right so how can you really take control of these emotions and not let them control you as you know and i i always i mean i particularly love this um, so so another funny thing that i love doing uh, not with everyone but you know especially with my sister and maybe um lack of better way of teaching her the consequences of anger i would constantly poke her and then you know get her angry and then tell her you know what you see you are now again getting angry and this is not having me this is having you right so uh, so 
So and I I always tell her like you know what I have the remote of your emotions right I always tell her like you know what I have the remote of your emotions and you don't have mine so you know take take this back you know take this control back to you right so are there any things that you'd like to share which we haven't already discussed so far for the people where they can be in control of the emotions and not get provoked by the outer circumstances I know that you know you have shared ton already on that. So here's my um here's a couple of my thoughts and and you're right it's a, it's a journey it's it's actually a a forever journey Vijay um uh, what i found working very well um for for me for those around me um and for all of us is um uh, is something that operates at three levels the level of self so of me uh our nearest and dearest ones because that's where we are most emotionally hinged attached and therefore will face greatest disturbance from so of me of mine and of mankind by and large you know how people are reacting what politicians are doing and what superstars are doing and uh, their lives um i find it very useful to uh, and and like you said meditation of course is a brilliant practice of grounding uh, and and like i always say even if you can't meditate and you know find a serious dhyana space even just sitting in silence is is more than enough it grounds you it uh you know clears out your electromagnetic field um and is extremely empowering just sitting in silence um and and there's no religious aspect to it but just the chant om so if you find that when you're mm. sitting in silence you get distracted uh you know thoughts come in your way and you're very tempted to engage with those thoughts the thoughts will come of course they're allowed to come you don't have to engage with them you don't have to talk to them you don't have to argue with them um and the moment mm. you find that happening bring yourself back so focus at the center of your forehead imagine a nice pretty flame there and just the audio chanting the chanting of om om you know slowly brings you back into yourself i find that very useful the other practice that i find very useful and this is across the house um all of us do this very diligently is one thing a day for me one thing a day for mine without any expectations without any uh, you know look how much i'm doing for you but one thing a day from unconditional so one can mm. think a day for me one thing a day for mine and one thing a day for mankind right mm. so and and these could be very little things i'll i'll give you yeah, an give example. us some examples yeah. so that audience have so, yeah so Sorry. for me today for instance i decide that i'm going to do uh 21 surya namaskars mm. that's for me my happiness my health being good kind and loving to myself one thing for mine i decide that i'm going to bake a cake now never mind that they don't even eat it it's fine i am doing it for them mm-hmm. that's my bit of saying that this is for you now if you don't say thank you if you don't eat it if uh, if you don't cut it if you don't like it it doesn't matter this is me for you end of story or i will uh, clear out your cupboard the fact that it might actually end up leading to some like serious battles on the cupboard is different mm-hmm. but that's my way of <laughs> contributing to your life mm. so me mine and then the third space is mankind so i might get up and do a little act of charity which is donate a pair of old shoes to a maid mm. something as little as that or i could get up and create a content video which is my gift to the world so the sips which you've actually seen on mm. the ecom resonance page are actually just yeah. my gift to the world there's no expectation there is no uh, there's no other intention besides just saying that look we need it right now the first lot mm-hmm. was about saying we are dealing with physical immunity and the impact of the virus 
So here are some things on building our physical immunity. The second lot was mm. exactly what you're talking about, that we've reached a stage where there's no end in sight, where there's a sense of emotional uh, despair and hopelessness coming in, where we are losing our sense of identity because there's no concept of space and time left. Therefore, the second mm. series was actually about ESIPs, building emotional strength and resilience. There is no intention behind it beyond that. Mm. And very soon, in fact, next week onwards is where I'll launch what's called the ISIPs which is actually mm. about investing in your own self, becoming the best version of yourself. 14 days simple practices. So that's mankind. So every single day, just doing, and, and of the three, it's very important to know what you're doing for you, for me, mm. embracing me, allowing me to be. Because otherwise, we will lose the narrative. Otherwise, we will become victims of saying that the world caught up and my work caught up and I had Zoom calls and I had, uh, you know, I don't get time for myself and my family also wants time. The question is, what are you doing? So one little thing for me, one little thing for mine. Now that mine may be something as simple as, you know, your spouse asked you to uh, fix a light bulb that you haven't done. That's mm. a one little thing for me, one little thing for mine and one little thing for mankind every single day. Right? So that's something that I believe in, uh, in deeply and that's the other thing. The practice of the yes, Vijay, it sounds simple, but it is by far the most powerful, most incredible thing that you'll do for yourself. In fact, Siddharth would have spoken about this in the hyper-learning journey as well, of saying of how we really needed to pull out time because we were so deeply passionate about it. And because Siddharth's the one who's about organization and discipline and rigor, he organized it into a you know learning practice uh, and, and the book and therefore the weekly discipline. But it emanated from that dying, that bursting, that burning desire within us to learn. That desire to connect back to each other as a couple, you know. Siddharth would have mentioned that. The fact that there are mm. two senior corporate people in the house, parents, households, yeah. families, children, everything is being managed. This allowed us to connect back to that which is most basic and most primitive to our relationship, which is what we do best alone individually and what we mm. do best together we fell in love over learning so for mm. us to rediscover our love also needed to happen over learning there are couples who will do mm. it over traveling connect back with their mind over traveling over dancing over cooking but find those rituals for the me the mind and the mankind so and that's what i would really say and and of course like i said the practice of the yes it is unbeatable it's a very simple thing but it completely changes the way you look at the world. It completely changes the way you think. It completely changes the way the world perceives you. Imagine when, you're, when your staff or when your employee walks up to you saying, I need leave, expecting the answer to be a no. But because you won't use the no, and you write back mm. saying that, is it really necessary? Are you sure you can do it? Okay, how can we manage your work elsewhere? Because when you can't say mm. a no, you're forced to think of alternatives. You're forced mm. to deal with respect. And suddenly mm -hmm. the whole world changes. They are very little things. Very little things, Vijay, but unbelievably powerful. They bring you back into control. You don't operate from the circle of concern, but from control. They help you let go of notions, of suppositions, of ideality that you've been hinging yourself on. And they create those alternate pathways that when you let go of those notions, what do you step into? So Beautiful. Beautiful, Aika. Eka, sorry. <laughs> now I'm finally 
managed to mess your name up sorry about that <laughs> no worries no worries uh, um, and in so, fact which i this is also what we're doing at ecom so this is exactly hmm. what ecom is about it's about harnessing ancient wisdom to solve contemporary human problems right human challenges yeah and we've realized that all these answers exist whether it's about your physical world uh physical body whether it's about your emotional body whether it's about your intellectual body whether it's about your spiritual body they already know the answers and it's just so much easier and so much more sensible to you know sit in silence dig deep go within your roots and find out who you really are deep 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 within and allow that to come forth because you can only be the best version of your own self everybody else is taken awesome beautiful so i think those are like really practical uh insightful you know ideas for people to actually not only listen and get inspired but go back and actually take action and do something about the information that you know people have heard here i'm i'm sure a lot of people realize that there's so much insights and wisdom that eka has got to share uh with you all so i would recommend that you guys go ahead and check her uh instagram i'll link that up on the description where she shares this different 14 days different kind of a challenges so she come uh she comes with one new challenge every single day for you to take up for the 14 you know 14 day challenge that she already has done two different challenges and she's coming up with more you know is uh in in the future so make sure that you be uh you know join her on instagram and to add to you know uh, the thing about and i love this idea about me mine and to the universe right i mean to the world right so i think that's also another brilliant concept so i i'm going to do that so again like during this lockdown one particular practice that i started doing i wish i could be more regular on that but instead of just writing out those heartless happy birthday or happy anniversary to the people like everyone else does on the facebook post i thought can i take a little extra effort uh in you know making that more special for them and i started recording videos and then just started sending you know video messages to those birthday otherwise i i won't wish like if i don't feel like i know wishing anyone and there's no point just me just going and putting out and putting that heartless you know happy birthday or whatever that is right so I started recording videos to people and the way people responded back with that and the joy you know just seeing saying that you know what this is the best birthday with wish that I have received or uh somebody you know just had their first daughter and I just recorded video saying that hey congratulations on having your daughter I'm really I know glad for you guys and just you know sharing those words like and in that really I mean while it feels like I was doing it for them but I realized it was something that i was even doing for myself for my own happiness because by contributing to someone else's happiness you are cultivating your own happiness so i think that's another practice that you guys can do if we are looking at some one more practical thing that you want to implement in your life just record that video or maybe just record that voice message but customize that you know make that special day more special but just by you know recording that video so those are the things that you can you know do to you know add to your own happiness right it's it's not something that you're doing and i i'm not expecting anything in return but uh surprisingly a lot of them actually were went back and recorded the video and sent me back just to thank they did not even you know did that just by saying that thank you for this video but they went back recording the video themselves and you know replying to me on the video so i think uh, so these are the spoiler things right but um that adds to your happiness to your uh, emo- emotional stability which we are talking about 
this has been a great conversation, Eka. So I have got few more questions, um, which is a kind of a I, I call them the enlightening round. So this is a rapid fire round. Okay, <laughs> so I'm gonna share, ask you some questions. I want you to answer them mm. in a word or maybe in a couple of words. Okay, mm. so which one daily habit do you believe has been game changer in your journey? Meditation for sure, um, and the power of the yes. What is the best piece of advice that you have received in your life? What the caterpillar calls the end of the world, the master calls a butterfly. Wow! What was the one wrong belief about yourself that you have held for the longest in your life? That I needed other people to love me and respect me before I loved and respected myself in order to validate my love and respect for myself. Wow! What do you want to be remembered for? Helping you find your purpose, your passion, and helping you become your truest, bestest self. Eka, I, I'm already envious looking at that big library, you know, uh, uh, you know that you have. I'm sure it's going to be difficult for you to pick a book or two that has, you know, influenced you personally. But could you share a book or two, you know, that that uh, can help our listeners in this journey and the whole thing that we discussed in this episode? Hmm. So, um, okay. Let's let's see if I can narrow it down. The first book, of course, is Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, uh, hmm. Victor Frankl. Victor Frankl. It's an unbelievably uh, profound book written in very simple language. So when you think of Holocaust and you think of psychological constructs and the idea of finding a purpose, you think it's a very complicated subject. It's not. So reading Victor Frankl is refreshing from the point of view of how simple life's view needs to be. And I think it got reflected in the movie called. Beautiful life was it? Um, I'm not sure about the movie. There was a movie about the Holocaust, very similar, but but definitely Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl. Uh, the second book I recommend again, very very strongly, is a book by Swami Vivekananda. It's called The Complete Book of Yoga. Again, sounds like a very complex topic, but it's really um, refreshing and very heartwarming to see the Swami write it so simply and decode yoga as a way of life. as the way you think the way you do the way you study the way you read the way you love uh breaking it down into bhakti and jnana and uh, karma and raja very very uh, heartwarming and very profound has had a huge influence on me um the third one is uh, is is these two sets of books actually so there's an author called fitcher of capra fitcher of capra had written the tao of physics um uh, about 20 years ago and the tao of physics was seminal in the sense that um it it was a physicist view of philosophy and he integrated it integrated the philosophy of the west with the physics of uh, philosophy of the east with the physics of the west um and and very very interesting book to read if you understand science which is tao of physics um but fritjof capra has actually come up with a new book called the systems view of life why it's mm. fascinating um even though it's a slightly difficult book to read but it's fascinating because he takes on this um current view of the world the narrative of the world we have which is a very binary competitive uh linear narrative isolationist reductionist mechanistic narrative to actually saying that there's another way to look at the world which is the systems view which is a systemic view which is a alternate view which is a more holistic view which is a view which is not about um you know this is the right path to follow it's not the view of competition and speed and performance but the alternative narrative of resilience of belonging 
of sustainability. So what's the alternative view to the world and whether we can look at the world systemically instead of looking mm. at it in isolation. So yeah, and, and I completely love this book as well. So the system awesome. of life, picture of Capra. All right. So if you were to start this journey all over again, what are those three things that you would have done differently? Ah, when I was 13. So I, I, so I, I, I actually don't believe in regrets, Vijay, uh, and I've never, never had at any stage because I truly believe that whatever decision was taken must have been right given those circumstances then. But having said that, uh, things I wish I had done differently. Uh, one is definitely embraced my own self. Uh, I would have, I lost 20 years, 20 years trying to not be me. Um, and now I'm, of course, making up for lost time. But I wish I'd done that. Having said that, maybe if I'd embraced myself then, I may not have had that kind of value for it then, but I wish I'd done it. That's one. Two is um, I really wanted to get uh, into an engineering school, not to become an engineer, but to study science. And I'm spending the rest of my life studying science, but I had the handicap of not having the vocabulary. So I wish I had studied science for sure. Uh, that's two. Uh, and the third one is um, that I can't sing to save my life at all. Um, I understand music really well. My sister is a classical singer and a voice artist. I have immense respect for music, but I do wish I could sing. But yeah, those so that's that one I wish I could. I mean, so that's that's one of the things that I always, um, you know, kind of thing. I wish I could sing as well. So unfortunately, I can't either. So <laughs> all right, super Eka. This has been a great. Great conversation. Before I let you go, I have this one question that I asked to all my guests. And before I ask you that question, if people would like to get in touch with you, learn more about the uh, stuff that you are doing and uh, find you and basically get in touch with you, what would be the best possible way? Where can they find you? Ah, um, So uh, given that you, you know how I struggled with technology and, uh, you know, <laughs> even setting up systems was a challenge here, um, sound systems. but um, We've managed to get some things together. So follow the ACAM, E-I-K-A-M, ACAM Resonance page on Facebook, um, ACAM Energy face on Facebook, um, ACAM Resonance page on Instagram. We have our website, ACAM.in, E-I-K-A-M dot in. Um, right now, still very basic, but you'll see a lot of action happening there in the next two months, three months and more. Uh, and I really look forward to creating an entire community of people who want to explore themselves, ex explore scriptures, explore their relationships. Please come, please join us, please be a part of us at ACOM, uh, where we transform lives and help you become your truest, best selves. Thank you, Vijay. Awesome. I'm sure, you know, after listening to this conversation, people have enough reasons to go and check, you know, you out and all these different places. I'll link that all up on the description of the show. You'll find all the links to get in touch with Eka on the description. All right. So I've got a last question for you, Eka. Now, imagine this. You are standing on the stage and this one is the largest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world. And there are millions of people who are eagerly and passionately waiting to listen to you. And you have to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life. And you have been given only one minute of the time to share it. What would be your message? I think the only message I would really want to give is embrace yourself. Be your own best version. Um, 
overcome the fears, the shadows, the insecurities, the narrative that you're given to live with, but step into what you, your passions, your purpose, your dreams, your desires, your strength, what you really want to do. Because the narrative of competition, speed and performance is over. You need to belong. You can belong only to your own self. And as long as you're chasing somebody else's narrative or competing with someone else, you're denying yourself your place in the sun. So Embrace yourself. It has been a great conversation, Eka. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Vijay, for having me over. I've had great fun doing this. And I really hope that your listeners um, and everybody who's hearing this uh, really steps onto their journey. I'm more than happy to be a part of helping them become their best selves. But I really hope, wish, pray that every one of us becomes our own best version in resonance. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Jio Savan, or wherever you get a podcast from. I hope you learned something or got some inspiration. You can take a screenshot of this episode and post it on your Instagram story. When you do that, don't forget to tag me at the rate Bizay Speaks. You can access the show notes of this episode by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 9898. Also, don't forget to share how this show is helping you in your personal transformation journey by recording your message at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash speak. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring. <laughs>